0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Political Division Reenvisioned with Nick Liberty. If this is your first time tuning in, then thank you and welcome. If you're returning after listening to one of the previous episodes or the trailer, then thank you very much. It means a lot to me that people continue to come back and continue to offer feedback. Uh, In regards to that, I have exciting news. I now have an email account set up for this podcast where anybody – whether you're somebody that I already know or if you're someone brand new out there. I know I got some interesting uh, worldwide attention on a couple of these episodes. Nothing crazy. I don't want to conflate things, but I got a couple of views in other countries, which is kind of neat. Um, if anybody wants to reach out, you can use that email. It's political division re just like the name of the podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Again, that's political division re at gmail.com. I encourage anybody to reach out on there with comments, questions, uh, if I get anything wrong at any point, uh, which is bound to happen because I do some research for these episodes just to have a few points, but I don't uh, dive into a lot of of pre-recording research, so I'm bound to get a couple of things wrong. Um, Please don't hesitate to reach out to that email for any reason, or if you're interested in being on the show on a debate. I'd love to have listeners that are interested have a discussion or a debate or even have you on as a guest if you don't like a debate format if you don't, or if you don't disagree. <laughs> but um, I'd really like to have some people who do disagree go point by point with me and discuss some of their ideas, discuss some of my ideas, see where we can find common ground, which is kind of the whole basis of this podcast. To kind of meet in the middle and, and discuss where we might agree, where we might disagree. Uh, part of it is I want to put my ideas out there, but I also want to start a discussion, and especially with people who don't agree with me, I want to see you know where you stand, what you think, and more than anything, I just want to get the, uh, the idea out there, as I mentioned in the trailer and in previous episodes, that you're not alone, whether you're left, right, center, whatever you may be. There's probably a lot of things that you can agree on, and there's probably a lot of things that bother you that you see political officials and things say. So um, please don't hesitate, and then without further ado, I'll get into the bulk of the episode. This episode is titled The Three Letters and Lie. And if you don't know what that's referring to, I'm referring to three letter agencies. So your IRS, FBI, CIA, NSA. Uh, mostly, I decided on this topic very last minute because, in light of what happened with the FBI recently, and in light of the reconciliation bill, which is providing all sorts of additional funding to the IRS. Um, also, I've, I've always been bothered by a lot of what goes on with these three-letter agencies. There are more that at some point in the, in the future of this podcast, I'd like to delve into the DOJ, uh, the DHS, but those aren't ones that I really have a ton of like background on, and they're not really something that I'm terribly familiar with, but I feel like I can go into a pretty good background, especially deeply into the IRS and the FBI and discuss like what some of the shortcomings have been, what the issues are, and where real change can occur to make a more positive outcome for everybody out there. First off, lightning round, um, let's discuss why I named this episode what I did. Uh, The NSA told you that when they were monitoring people, they were trying to find terrorists, they were trying to find threats to the public safety, they said that they were not invading anybody's personal right to privacy, those were all lies. Um, the FBI said that they created watch lists and watching programs to keep an eye on people so that we wouldn't have you know these terrible incidents occur. That's a lie. Um, the CIA told you that they could act responsibly and ethically and that you can trust them. That has historically, and uh, there's no reason to believe that it's not currently a lie. I mean, I'll get into all of the specifics on those in a little bit. And the IRS, well, they like to act like they're out here looking out for people and trying to hold, uh, you know, bad actors responsible. But that's, I won't say that one's necessarily a lie, but it's definitely not the truth. So as I kind of mentioned, I don't do uh, an incredible amount of preparation for these episodes. I, I do a little bit to get a general idea. I find a couple of sources I want to use. But a lot of this is kind of free form in just what I've been thinking about. So the reason I wanted to dive into this is because of all the new things happening right now with the FBI and the IRS specifically. So I'm going to do a more in-depth dive into those two. But I will, like I said, I mentioned the NSA and the CIA. So I'll do a really short, just quick introduction to them and why I kind of lump them together in this. So I have a natural distrust of free letter agencies. And I think that a lot of Americans, even if they don't have a distrust, they have a discomfort with them where they don't really trust them to deliver what they're supposed to. So especially with the NSA, which is a big one, not really so much now, but used to be uh, frontline news. If you're, I mean, I can't imagine anybody out there isn't familiar with Edward Snowden and everything that went down with that, but if you're not, definitely look into it. But essentially, after the Patriot Act was enacted, um, the NSA decided to start keeping records on people and start you know, creating systems to essentially tap in and get information from certain individuals. And that system, the reason I say that you can't really trust any of these three-letter agencies is because even if the, the directive is good, what happened with the NSA was that then People started using those, like the, the agents of the NSA started using those systems for personal needs, uh, to, to spy on loved ones, to spy on uh, girlfriends, boyfriends, uh, whoever. There were a lot of documented cases of misuse of resources where people were keeping track of and, and you know, monitoring what people they were either interested in or already have some relationship with. And that was unacceptable, and it was never really... Nothing was really done about it all that much. We just kind of accepted that the NSA is going to be able to, to keep records and, and track whoever they want without really any kind of discretion or oversight. And I'm being a little bit harsh. There has been some reforms to oversight, but largely uh, I very seriously doubt that there's not still misuse of resources. Um, and the CIA... I'm sure everybody's familiar with a lot of the big-name things. Uh, I'm not going to go too conspiratorial with it because people lump you in with a bunch of uh, crazies. But verifiably, I mean, you can talk about the ski experiments where they let people suffer from syphilis so that they could watch what happened so that they could learn. Uh, you can talk about mk Ultra, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, where on their own people, the CIA and other organizations were testing psychedelic drugs and all sorts of other heinous things on people without telling them and that was just with their own people uh the CIA has been involved with all sorts of foreign conflicts with funding terrorists not necessarily intentionally but in many cases funding groups that later became the terrorist organizations that we had to fight in a lot of foreign wars so it's um To say that the CIA is untrustworthy would be an understatement, and this isn't an issue of recent, this is an issue of the last uh, 60 years or so. Uh, It goes all the way back, and to say that, oh, well now, even though historically every single decade they've done something heinous, now they're reformed and trustworthy and now you can rely on them, I think it's gullible. And I hope that's the case. I really do, but I very much doubt that the CIA is not currently involved in things that would make an average American uh, uh, question, at the very least, possibly extremely concerned. Um, so I just wanted to knock those ones out and touch on a couple of points of those because I mentioned them in the intro and because I think it's important uh, at some point in the future, maybe I'll go into like an in-depth analysis of some of the things that those two organizations did but I really want to focus on what's in the news now because I feel like that's where the, uh, the attention's at at the moment and I want to address it because I think it's important. So I think I'll talk about the FBI first because that is the most recent recent. Um, so with the FBI, if anybody out there hasn't heard, it's been pretty public at this point, that the FBI did a raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago excuse me, estate, and they seized a bunch of documents and things like that. Uh, depending on where you get your news from, I'm not trying to point fingers, you may have gotten a misleading story in one direction or the other. Um, the first point I wanted to touch on with that is that, well, number one, historically, uh, even with like Nixon, who was involved with Watergate, I'm sure everybody knows, and who was justifiably known to have done wrong, Like there was, there was a known fact that he had done something he shouldn't have done. Even with him, there was no raid on his personal properties. There was investigations, sure, but there was nothing like this. Where two years after leaving office, one of his homes was raided to find documents. I mean, this is in 250 plus years of history in America, we have never had an agency or a branch of the government ever prosecute a president like this after his term is over. And I'm not saying that you can't look into things. And I'm not saying that maybe there are some things that Trump might have done that may not have been above board. And if that's the case, then absolutely we should look into them. But what this was, was a political game. And it was a nonsense move just to exert power and fear. And Quite frankly, and I I try to be unbiased in this podcast, but quite frankly, I find it disgusting what happened with Mar-a-Lago. What happened was the reason the FBI gave for this right now, and this story may change, but what I'm seeing right now from multiple news sources is that essentially there were documents that had been shipped to Mar-a-Lago from the White House a very long while ago that had been put into storage in the estate that the FBI was aware of, that other agencies were aware of. There was nothing wrong in transporting the documents or storing them. The FBI had had some concerns, from what I'm hearing, with the storage, and they'd actually been involved with making sure that they were in a a secure area and that the the location where they stored these documents was up to snuff, supposedly. Um, So essentially in May, the FBI had been granted access to Mar-a-Lago, basically just by asking, essentially. And they had gone in and, and, and seen where the documents were stored. They'd looked through the boxes. They, they were well aware of these. And what's insane is that they were aware of these. They had access just by asking, essentially. And now, months later, they execute a, a sudden raid like it's a, a drug bust and bust in there and start searching through his wife's closet and searching through his entire estate searching through his personal office. I mean, this is the kind of thing that like, I I understand that people have questions, but there is no way whatsoever that you can justify this as the best way to solve the problem. And the FBI has had issues like this distinctively for a very long time. I mentioned in the uh, sort of intro there how the FBI has created these watch lists and has these entire branches dedicated to trying to root out extremists and terrorists and things like that. I mean, the reality of it is, we have a lot of these cases where people that commit atrocities, they're on FBI watch lists, but the FBI didn't actually do anything about it. There has been very few incidents where the FBI has actually done its job, watched the right people, stepped in with the proper authority, and stopped an event from occurring. So what I have to ask you is, Right out there, and, and again, this episode's is divulging from my normal formula a little bit, but why do we continue to support and fund the FBI if they're engaging in clearly pointed political acts involved in, in obvious political gains, and at the same time, they're not even fulfilling the part of their job that would be beneficial. They're not even stopping these domestic terrorists that are committing shootings. They're not stopping these school shootings. I mean we have people that post to Facebook, I'm gonna shoot up the school and then go and do it, and somehow that doesn't get through. I it's it's insane to me that they continue to operate in the way they do and not be held accountable. And how many members of the media are already praising this as a, a good act and something that should have been done. I mean, like I said, we don't have all of the information on this, but from what I'm hearing so far. It sounds like they did this raid to get these items, these boxes of documents that they knew were there, that they had been given access to look at, and it essentially left for months and then just returned with a rushed warrant signed by a magistrate, not even a judge, and then came in like it was some big surprise and confiscated the documents they'd already seen,
1: which I understand
0: there could have been other things that were left out or included, but it just, it doesn't sit right with me and i don't think a lot of people will find that this sits right with them i think it's a huge concern and i think that the fbi at the very least needs to answer for it and defend it in a more thorough way than just oh yeah there were documents i mean essentially what this boils down to this is like as if somebody had a concern in your community that you had guns you shouldn't have right that was, like, if you're making a direct comparison, that's some, the concern with the documents, okay? The cops show up to your house. You let them in. You open the door. They come inside. They say, you know, we've had some concerns that you might have some weapons that you're not supposed to have here. You're not supposed to have some documents that you have here. Can we take a look at them? So you, you know, you walk them in. You show them where your guns are stored. You show where the documents are stored um, you show them the guns they say oh okay yeah no you moved these we're aware of these you're allowed to have these documents but they're kind of stored in a way that we're not really uh comfortable with so then they help you you know get up to snuff and find a way to store them so you know i mean this is a direct comparison i'm talking about you know if you had legal guns and you had a cop come into your home and then Months later, after they helped you secure them, after they checked that what you had was something that you were supposed to have, you were allowed to have, they come back and do a raid and use the justifiable reason as the thing that they already knew about, that they've already seen, that was above board. I mean, that's insane. Like, if you apply this principle, then there is no rule of law. There is no consistency. There's no safety. If they can do this to somebody who is a former president on um, what is essentially, at this point, no ground, and I will rescind this. I will come back and do a follow-up episode if that changes. There is nothing to stop any organization from doing whatever they want and just saying, oh, we had a, We thought maybe you would. This is like prosecuting future crimes. This is like saying we have a suspicion. We have no way to prove that suspicion. We have no real substantial ground for it, but we're going to harass you anyway. And that's, that's a scary thought. And not that, you know, anybody listening to this, you're probably not necessarily someone who the FBI would have an interest in. I hope not. I certainly hope I wouldn't be. But it doesn't really matter. The principle of it is that these organizations are harassing people, they're utilizing their power in unacceptable ways, and they're doing things that they should not be doing that should not be allowed, and for no reason. And like I said, if, if something comes out with this that there was justifiable reason, I, I would be shocked, but you know I'd be open to it. And this isn't even the first time. So the, the interesting thing about this is that you know no matter how you align politically, you can still see something that's wrong and say it's wrong. Uh, if you're going to invade someone's home and search their property, you should at least have some kind of reasonable explanation for why you're doing it. That's kind of the whole purpose of a warrant. And the fact that this has happened not only to Trump, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people out there aren't his biggest fan. This has happened to James O'Keefe, the, the gentleman from uh, Project Veritas, if you're not familiar with that. They did a lot of things that a lot of folks out there might not agree with. They did a lot of things that I might not agree with. Uh, but the end result is just because someone is saying something that you don't like does not give you the right to you know prosecute them or search them without a reason. What happened with James O'Keefe was he had had a diary that supposedly belonged to President Biden's daughter. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. It was obtained illegally. But they had gone in, and for one thing, they said that the diary wasn't real, but then they used it as justification to search his premises and confiscate his stuff. The same thing happened with Rudy Giuliani. Uh, he was associating with people who were under suspicion, so by extension, they just assumed that he was under suspicion, and so they raided his property. They raided his private law office, which is a huge violation of, of numerous laws. Because you have certain client and lawyer or attorney, whatever you prefer to use, privileges. There are certain protections in that. It doesn't mean that it's you know it doesn't mean it's totally off limits, but it means that there's supposed to be additional levels of security beyond what was done. And the, the insane thing about this is that in both cases, there was never a crime. There was never anything prosecuted later on. There was never anything admitted into evidence. I mean, it, it, you're talking about in some cases where it was, with Rudy Giuliani, it was, a, it was a whole year before he got the materials back and they said, our bad, nothing wrong. That, that's insane. That's like if you have a friend who goes out and commits a crime, and you don't, you weren't involved, they have no reason to believe you were involved, but just because you knew them, they didn't come and question you, they busted down your door and searched your house on the suspicion that, oh, you've been known to associate with this person, therefore we assume that you are committing crimes. No matter how you feel about those people, or how you feel about the people that they interact with by extension, it doesn't make any sense unless you have some kind of reasonable justification on why they might have something that you need to search for. Otherwise, it's it's open season. It's open season on you, just the same as it's open season on any of these big name people. And, And again, I'm not trying to justify any of these people's actions. There are certain things that they do that I don't agree with. What I am justifying is my stance that this is unacceptable. And if you're going to be a branch of the government and you're going to prosecute citizens, you need to have a reason to do that. And whether that's a low-level citizen doing, you know, an everyday task like what I do in my job where I research these politicians, or if you're somebody that works at a 7 Eleven, or if you're someone that's a high-ranking official, same rules applied equally. That's what equality is. That's what equality for all means. And correct me if I'm wrong, correct me if you disagree, I'd love to have a debate on this with people, but I don't see the law being applied equally at all i see a gross misuse of authority and i see organizations that have gotten too comfortable with getting too many privileges and have stepped around and stepped on americans whenever they get the opportunity to and quite frankly like i said earlier it is sickening and i don't need to break character from the previous episodes of this podcast I don't mean to uh, break away from my mission statement, but I felt like this was really important to address, and I think it's worth saying and it's worth condemning totally that these people do what they're doing and without any real regard for what laws actually are. Uh, Anyway, so next up, I think that kind of closes off the whole FBI issue, at least relevant to what we're speaking about in the news today. There are a lot of other issues deeper with the FBI that I'd love to delve into in another episode in more depth. But uh, for now, I think that sums it up. Now I'd like to go into the reconciliation bill and the IRS. If you're not terribly familiar with the reconciliation bill, and admittedly, I'm not familiar with a lot of the intricacies of it, you don't have to be familiar with the intricacies of it to understand a few basic points. Essentially, the argument for the reconciliation bill is that this will fight the inflation crisis that we're seeing in America right now. This will help things to even back out and lower the inflation rate. The justification being that the inflation rate so high, so what we need to do is revamp some of these organizations. So this gets into the IRS. What the reconciliation bill that just passed will do is provide a budget to the IRS of $80 billion. $80 billion 87000 is the estimate I'm hearing of new IRS agents to be hired. And those numbers are coming directly from CNBC, which is not a source I would normally use for my own news, but it's a left-leaning source that, if anything, would be sympathetic to the bill. They are saying they're going to raise the budget to $80 million in this bill, and that, that's going to go towards also hiring 87,000 new IRS agents. And if you look up the budget of the IRS from just last year in 2021, overall expenditures were $13.7 billion. I believe that their actual budget was only like 12.3 or something like that. I don't know a particular number on that. But that's coming directly from the IRS.gov website, that their budget was $13.7 billion for overall operations in the fiscal year of 2021. That means that they have taken what is essentially a, a branch of the government that has been running for generations, and they've just increased their funding eightfold now what that says to me is one of two things either the irs was running completely like garbage they were doing nothing and so now it's justifiable to increase their funding to 80 billion One, you're talking about fighting inflation which is weird to me because you would think if you were trying to fight inflation you would be finding ways to cut budgets not increase them and the argument for this is that they'll recuperate more than that through audits on americans and what they're going to say, what you're going to hear a lot from folks on the left, and again, I'm not trying to attack anybody. I'd love to hear another perspective on this, uh, but what you're going to hear from people on the left is that this is going to be to hold, uh, you know, your corporate billionaires and millionaires accountable, and these audits are going to be on people, but not the middle class, not the average American. These are going to be on your upper class people. So the the problem with that is most of the people that they are referring to, the 1%, as they like to call them, most of those people have professional accountants and CPAs that do their taxes for them, that utilize lawful loopholes that you can agree with or disagree with, but they use lawful loopholes to find ways to save on their taxes. So if you really want to talk about an actual solution to this, If you want to actually solve the problem and bring in more revenue and utilize the IRS in a more efficient way, why don't we get them talking with legislature to close some of these loopholes that they know exist, that people have been using for forever, that have allowed people in the 1% to save on their taxes and to, I mean, realistically, I use the term save, but really to, to lawfully cheat Because the problem isn't on them. I would do the same thing. If there is a loophole that I can use that is still legal and save money and pay less taxes, of course you're going to do it. If you disagree with that, then the answer is to close the loopholes. So I don't see how increasing the IRS's budget to $80 billion is going to solve that problem. All I think that's going to do is give them more resources to run audits on the people who don't have professional accountants and CPAs. Those are the people that they might actually be able to recuperate some of that money from. You, people who do their taxes and maybe made a mistake, which happens, when, especially if you're using like HR Block or whatever, and it's uh, you know a website like uh, TurboTax or whatever, and you input wrong information, you make a mistake that's who this is going to come after that's who this is going to affect i don't think that this is going to really have an effect on the people that they want it to and i don't see even best case scenario even if this really does recuperate i don't see a way that that's going to recuperate and justify the additional 70 billion dollars essentially in funding again it's you know from 12 point whatever billion to 80 billion so it's a little bit less than that But you get the idea. It's essentially a $70 billion increase when we're already facing inflation. And supposedly the three-letter organization, the IRS, is going to somehow combat inflation by getting an insane increase in budget. I don't buy it. I don't think that the average American buys it. And quite frankly, I think that there are a lot better ways to cut inflation than by funding the IRS with ridiculous amounts of money. And I think that if there was that much of a deficit with the IRS, that they that this money is going to actually help them make that money, it, it just doesn't it doesn't pass the sniff test, as one of my favorite uh, fellow podcasters likes to say. It just doesn't make any sense because why wouldn't this budget have been increased in, in a way that makes sense? You know, slowly over time. This is like if you were not doing a good job, and then your boss figured by giving you you know a raise, you're going to start doing a better job. That's justifying bad behavior in the best case. In the worst case, it's taking an agency who isn't doing a good job and giving them a ridiculous amount of money. So there's no way that this lines up that makes any sense to me. and I don't think it makes sense to the average American out there. Uh, So I'd I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. I'd like to hear what people think. Again, please reach out on politicaldivisionreinvisioned at gmail.com. Give me your thoughts. Give me your responses. I'd love to have you on the podcast if you're interested. If not, I'd love to just give you a shout-out and say, hey, I had somebody reach out. But there's a lot more that I could probably say about these three-letter agencies. And like I said, I'm sure at some point in the future, they will all be coming back up in the news again. But with it being so prevalent right now, I really wanted to touch on it and and get there while the fire was still hot. (laughs) Um, I I would have liked to have had a little bit more uh, base knowledge and a little bit more research done behind it. But I felt it was crucial to say something about it and at least point out the things that just logically make no sense. And I think that, you know, I I think I provided a couple of things that would maybe make more sense and would actually lower inflation and save money. Like I said, closing those loopholes would be the number one, finding ways to make sure that corporations and billionaires and trillionaires actually pay their dues and don't find ways to get out of it by, you know, donating a piece of art that their friend made for billions of dollars. I I am 100% on board for that, not in, you know, the tax, the rich uh, mentality of the left where it's, we're going to tax them until they leave. I don't think that's smart, but I think holding them to the same reasonable standards as Americans, as normal Americans, is a totally reasonable thing. I think a lot of people can agree on that. But anyway, I think I've rambled enough about how much I distrust three-letter agencies. I really do appreciate everybody listening in. And uh, again, not a whole lot of of pre-episode planning in this. This was all kind of spur of the moment. I was actually going to talk about uh, abortion today. I was going to do that for this episode. I've been saying in my previous episodes that I was going to touch on that. But after seeing everything in the news with the reconciliation bill and the FBI uh, rate of Trump's property. I felt like I had to do something on that. So I really appreciate everybody listening in. I hope you guys will continue to do so. Uh, thank you for listening to Political Division re with Nick Liberty, and I hope you guys all have a, a good and safe one out there. All right, bye.